Before we get into the meat of today's podcast, I wanted to express our support for all of the people caught up in the illegal, awful uh, invasion of Ukraine. Uh, We do have Ukrainian listeners, Belarusian listeners, and Russian listeners of this podcast, and people on all sides are caught up uh, with illegal acts being carried out in their name that they may not support. Obviously, um, our our sentiments and thoughts are with the Ukrainian people at this time. And whilst there are far bigger acts going on than listening to a rather silly podcast, um, if you are listening and looking for some kind of sense of normality and an escape from the situation that's going on, then hopefully this is in some way comforting to know that many people around the world obviously uh, hold you close in, uh, in, in their thoughts at the moment. Um, if you do want to support the Ukrainian crisis in any way, if you're listening, there are obviously lots of different links online and, and ways that you can donate time and money. Um, what we will do for this podcast is leave a link to the British Red Cross Ukrainian crisis appeal in the show notes. So if you have the means to be able to do so and want to support those people caught up in this awful conflict, then please do so. We originally started looking at hiring an athletic stadium each year, giving people the same experience that we did with our mates. But we looked at the kind of business plan and you could only get so many people through an athletic stadium. So we set about designing a digital product that had the essence behind Gojo um, and what we were doing with our mates, i.e. getting together, making the fitness social for ordinary people and trying to encapsulate that and put it in a digital product. Today is Pancake Day, which also marks the beginning of Lent, a period where Jesus spent 40 days fasting in the desert. Now, whilst we're not going to advocate that you fast for 40 days to try and build some discipline, uh, we do think it's a great time of year to think about health and committing to something new. And to help us do that, we are talking to the founders of Hilo and of Gojo. This is Tech Talks, your weekly tech podcast brought to you by the Harvey Nash Group, hosted by myself, David Savage, where we talk to leaders from across the industry. Hello, Hannah. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. It's Pancake Day. Yay. Have you got some? Have you got some ready? Are you going to make your own? Well, not ready yet. I mean, they don't take very long to make and it is 10 to 10 in the morning. I thought you'd be doing it while we're recording. (laughs) Oh, yeah, of course. Pancakes for brunch. I mean, I suppose that's not that actually silly kind of a suggestion, but no, it'll be this evening. But important question, of course. Uh, First of all, American style or crepe? Crepe always. Good, good, correct answer. Uh, And what do you have on your crepe? Um, Okay, bit of backstory. I'd now... (laughs) Now that my tastes have matured, I just go lemon and sugar. But as a child, I used to love maple syrup, but my hair has always been quite long. And I used to sit every Saturday, we used to make pancakes, and I used to sit watching um, TV with a plate, and my hair would just be in the maple syrup. Every weekend, you would get your hair in maple syrup, and you didn't learn a lesson. I was a great child um and then would then walk around for the rest of the um weekend with crystallized hair at the bottom well it's a a solution to split ends it is that was a major worry at my four-year-old brain (laughs) split ends actually i only found out what split ends were in like university I, I still am not entirely sure. It's just something that I hear women talking about occasionally, you know. It was only because somebody was sitting there, like, snipping them. Anyway, back to it. Yeah. Oh, you, I, I don't yeah. quite understand that. When you said you're mature, sorry, your taste buds are mature, I thought you were going to tell me that it's, oh, I'm going to have olives with my pancakes or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> like, I've always loved lemon and sugar. It's a like, Nutella's great, don't get me wrong, but lemon and sugar is, yeah, is where it's at. Nutella gets so sickly so quickly. Oh, have I, you don't tried, know. I don't know whether I agree with that. Have you tried a savoury pancake? Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so growing up in a not strict religious, but a religious household, mm-hmm. it was quite a thing. And uh, yes, we had like a proper pancake meal where it's like savoury followed by sweet. What? This is a yeah. So it'd be thing. like. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> you I do know realize you do realize what pancake day is, right? <laughs> I know that there's a <laughs> connotation. I just didn't realize that they were so. 
they were like professional if you, if, about if you grow up in a, in a, in a well, if you grow up in a religious household, obviously Lent is a thing. And yeah, you do Pancake Day because it's the beginning of Lent and you yeah. get rid of the stuff in your covers. But no, my dad used to do kind of like, you know, kind of stews or curry. Like I think um, if you think about Tali in Indian culture, Tali is often kind of quite, they all almost have pancake style wraps and yes. you could kind of like have a, like have curry chickpeas and potato and peas. It would be oh, absolutely yeah. delicious. Does sound very good to be fair. I just didn't realise that they made it a proper... This day is Pancake Day, and we must. Well, it's it's with it. it's Shrove Tuesday if we want to get correct about it. But yes, yes. Sorry, the religious is um, <laughs> <laughs> Pancake Day for official. Yes. Yeah. Hey, look. Ever since ever since um, Danny John Jules rapping, it's Pancake Day or Maid Marian and a Merry Men. Uh, you know, it's Pancake Day. There we go. Um, are you giving anything up for Lent? Um, no, I very rarely do. Uh, let's give up something I don't like. Marmite. There we go. You don't like Marmite? No. I'm very much in the hate it camp. Ah, fair enough. I don't think I've ever yeah. tried it. Oh, and that's, that is weird. Is it? Well, it's one of those things that people either either love or hate, and it's quite difficult to... Surely in, like, in nearly a quarter of a century, at some point, you would have come across it. Yeah, just another... Oh, fair enough. Learn something new know. every day. There we go. Maybe, maybe for today you can try some Marmite and tell us what you think. No, I'm too busy eating pancakes and, you know, crystallising <laughs> my hair. <laughs> well, anyway, look, on to today's topic. Um, because it is Lent and the religious festival saw Jesus um, uh, exiled to the desert for 40 days to be tempted by Satan and to become pious and religious. We thought that we'd have a whole podcast about being disciplined, um, uh, but through more fun means than fasting in a desert, uh, through sport and doing, 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 uh, you're really looking at me like, what the hell are you going on about, David, <laughs> aren't you? It's just such uh, a weird connection, like fasting so in the right. desert to like, today's podcast. Well, let people get healthy at Lent. People get healthy at Lent. Do they? So I think they're just got... waiting for Easter eggs, aren't they? No, they, well, yeah, but they give up something bad. That's getting healthy. Okay. Sorry. Let me... Yeah. So look, we've, we've got two interviews with two sports tech companies. Um, first of all, Gojo and then Hilo Athletics. So we'll, we'll hand over to the Gojo interview and we'll be back shortly. So today I'm chatting to one half of the co-founding team of Gojo because we've got Phil, uh, Phil Steele and Will Turner. Um, thank you for both making the time to have a chat. Thanks for having us. Before we get into anything else, uh, for anyone who's not familiar, what's Gojo? So Gojo is a, a fitness app. Um, the name Gojo comes from uh, the fact that we're the founders are very much ordinary Joes, ordinary people. Um, the concept was born a few years ago, actually, but essentially the, the main driver behind it was because we felt that um, existing fitness apps out there were sometimes uh, a bit um, individualistic, sometimes a little bit um, elitist um, and uh, quite often uh, focused on, on what they regard as invested athletes. And we felt there's a kind of a whole backstory as to how we kind of stumbled across this, but um, we felt that as ordinary, uh, ordinary Joes, we like to call ourselves, um, there wasn't really a product that motivated us to exercise all year round, which is why we, uh, why we created Gojo. That's interesting. I'm, I'm going to pick up upon that for a quick second, if you don't mind, because my wife's currently doing Couch to 5K. And I am a member of another fitness app with orange uh, background and white typeface we won't we won't mention but it's probably <laughs> fairly clear from that and i was saying to her, oh you know you should be you should be on this app because a lot of people are on there and it's nice to kind of share your runs on there and and for other people to to like what you've been doing and and so on and and she turned around at me and said yeah but everyone on there like you know it's all about kind of times and how far you've gone and is is that what you mean when you kind of say invested athletes that, that that perhaps some of the existing platforms are intimidating to people who are new to to running or to exercise or to cycling? Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. So as a kind of ordinary Joe myself, I I kind of regularly find that I wouldn't post on Strava because I felt that I'd kind of be judged. And and there was me trying to avoid saying Strava, <laughs> but there we go. You but, did, so. but you know, there we go. I kind of. I kind of felt that 
um, I was being compared quite a lot um, and that mm -hmm. kind of felt that a lot of people out there when you kind of speak to them um, feel that they don't quite get the grade, um, which is a bit weird because our platform is all about social competition. But the, the really nice thing about Gojo is that your kilometers or your miles count towards the team. So it doesn't really matter whether you're, you know, a triathlete um, who is kind of, you know, absolutely smashing it out every day or whether you're doing something like a couch to 5K and just right at the start of your journey, the kilometers or the mileage are still counting towards the team, which is kind of really nice. And that the, the, everything about Gojo, the tone of what we do, that cuts through everything um, in terms of encouraging each other um, rather than judging each other. I think the other thing, just quickly, is I'm a massive fan of Strava. I've used it, um, I've used it for a number of years, and and for me, I think if you put me and Phil on a on a spectrum, I am more interested in, uh, you know, I've been on kind of cycling trips. I'm interested in kind of wattage and stuff. I think fair to say, Phil, you're not so much. Um, but I think they serve two different purposes. For me, when I've done exercise, I'm interested in looking at my data after the event. But I, I would say that it, but that platform doesn't particularly motivate me to exercise in the first instance. So I think probably the way I, I think of it is Gojo is a tool which actually gets you moving in the first place. Whereas mm -hmm. some of the other apps out there, amazing as they are, are amazing for kind of post-exercise um, feedback and, and data. So, so where did, where did the idea come from? Because I, I suppose you kind of you're, you're two friends from university, right? And the tagline or, or, or the, the the two words that stand out when you download the app are social fitness. You said there that maybe some of those existing apps aren't great at motivating people at the beginning of their journey. How how did this idea kind of come about? Because it's a leap to go from well, maybe I want to start running and running with a few mates at university to building a platform that's for people who are in different locations and trying to encourage each other. Yeah, it's a kind of interesting backstory behind it. So uh, Will and I met in uh, uni, uh, University of Leeds, about 18 years ago. Um, we lived in a house uh, with uh, 10 uh, very ordinary Joes. Um, so people who loved sport but weren't particularly good at it ourselves, uh, but we loved it. Um, we used to hire an athletic stadium each year um, and compete at events, even though we were all rubbish, um, as a kind of social event. And so we do everything from kind of 100 meter sprint to long jump, high jump, 400 meters, all the kind of Olympic based sports. Um, and then during the evening would typically go towards more pub based sports, but everything was kind of recorded and everything was done in teams. And it was just a kind of great event that was kind of part of our social calendar that we did every year and we still do to this day. Um, and over over the years, what started as a bit of a kind of joke, if anything, more than more than anything, just to kind of meet up as an excuse to kind of meet up and um, take the piss out of each other, um, kind of grew in that Will and I, um, our backgrounds were um, originally in law as sports lawyers, and then Will managed to escape and move more into the commercial side of sport, Team GB. And we were looking at, um, we kind of did this, what started out as a kind of stupid event um, each year. And we were looking at it and we were thinking, this event gives us something that we don't get from other um, experiences, the social, friendly, team-based nature, where actually we were having competition, but we were training for that event. We were encouraging each other during the event um, was something quite special. And we didn't really get that kind of feeling from other stuff that we did. Um, so Will and I kind of got our heads together and we thought that there's something in this event. Um, we originally started looking at hiring an athletic stadium each year and doing um, kind of giving people the same experience that we did with our mates. But we looked at the kind of business plan and you could only get so many people through an athletic stadium. So we, mm. this is kind of pre-COVID times, set about designing a digital product that had the essence behind Gojo. Um, and what we were doing with our mates, i.e. getting together, making the fitness social for ordinary people and trying to encapsulate that and put it in a digital product. So that's how, um, that's how Gojo is formed. Look, you were both lawyers. Um, 
that takes a fair amount of training and time to become lawyers. And then you have this idea for a platform and neither of you are technologists. When did this stop being like an idea and being, oh, hang on a minute, we need to actually commit to this and give up what must have been quite lucrative careers? Yeah, it was, um, it was, it, it what started as a, you know, basically a side hustle. Um, and it was the two of us, as you say, we had, we had very, very limited um, kind of technical experience. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it was probably, I don't know, 2019 that we kind of set the wheels in motion. And then we, and then we kind of, you know, applied for those accelerators. We were in full-time jobs at the time. So it was really challenging in terms of, uh, and this is pre-COVID, you know, so you're in the office every day. So actually d- dedicating the time to it was really, really difficult and kind of getting anything moving and off the ground at that point. And I think it just kind of snowballed a bit over the t- over time and, and kind of looking back, um, you know, we, we met we met our CTO Costi. He developed a prototype, and actually, it was around March 2020 that we had secured uh, kind of pre-seed uh, pre-seed investment from a fund, which was uh, kind of the 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 eyes were nearly dotted, and then COVID came along, which kind of kiboshed that completely. As soon as COVID came along, investors ran for the hills everywhere. So all this money that had been committed to all these startups got pulled. That was actually quite. A, a bit of a blessing in disguise, I would say, because um, I know you know various decisions that we've subsequently made. I think we we I'm not sure we would have used that money as effectively as we we have done since. We then raised six months later, you know, a better valuation from some incredibly uh, interesting and relevant people. And then there came a point where um, we was we started to generate revenue. So. You know, Gojo was always the vision has always been as a global consumer product. But actually, what happened was when COVID came along, the the B two B side of things, uh, because we're a hybrid B two B and B two C product, um, kind of took off, and um, corporates were looking for solutions and ways to engage and connect their workforces virtually, and we we were doing that. So um, the first client we ever had was uh, PwC. Um, and, you know, we've worked with them multiple times since on doing something unique and tangible that, that genuinely kind of engages their staff. So anyway, we, we were kind of revenue generating and then we thought, OK, now is the time we need to actually make the jump across, always balancing um, our uh, kind of cash for Gojo's cash flow with the need for us to be kind of dedicated in it full time. And we both yeah. had. Um, but we're really fortunate that we're in our personal um, situations that we got, you know, um, both our both our wives work, so uh, that helped. But you're absolutely right, making the decision to go from, you know, senior uh, senior lawyer in my case, partner in, in Phil's case, um, from big organisations across to um, a completely uh, at, the, at the time kind of unproven and unknown startup was a massive step. Uh, yeah, and just just on that, I mean, the the personal sacrifices we've had to make to make that transition, and um, you know, are, are you know have definitely been there in terms of um, you know, I kind of sold sold my car and kind of sold lots of things to get in a position where I wasn't draining money from Gojo with a with a big salary, and um, you know, to give you kind of one example of that, I kind of you know, it's not a sob story, but I kind of sold my car and and bought. Uh, a very modest and small car and I'm not a not a small person and um it kind of resulted in my mates calling me Bowser um because I bought my um my Fiat 500 which I actually love by the way um uh and it, it has a few mechanical issues from time to time but it gets me around and um I think um it has been quite tough to I think as you get older uh Will and I are kind of late 30s um the older you get, the harder it is to transition away from a professional career, but it can be done yeah. um, if you've got kind of drive and, and, and ambition like we've got, you know, you can make it work. Well, I live out in the countryside and my brother-in-law is about six foot five and he's got a very large BMW tractor type thing for getting family around, but he also has a Fiat 500 for local trips and he loves it. So um, look, out of interest, the B2C and B2B thing is, is quite interesting because when I first came across Gojo through our organization, it was, oh, this seems to be a B2B offering. Has that taken a back seat as organizations have started to return to some kind of hybrid working and, and the pandemic, at least in the UK with regards to restrictions, has receded slightly? 
No, it hasn't actually. Um, so we we uh, we always had B two B in our mind. You know, as Phil said, we were conceived and created pre COVID. So we felt that um, you know, get, without going into the kind of the B two B kind of sales patter, you know, we've we've been in workplaces. We've we've used a lot of the products out there that that kind of try and do what we do, and we we found for various reasons they weren't particularly engaging or. Uh, reliable, et cetera, et cetera. So we knew that there was a, an opportunity for it, you know, without the onset of, of COVID. COVID came along, um, amplified that need and, and demand. But now, uh, you know, thankfully, um, people are returning to work. Um, conversely, um, I don't know whether this is kind of linked, but actually the demand for our products has been higher now than it's ever been. I think that's probably also fair to say that that's a function of our marketing getting better as well, though, to, to be honest. And you know, particularly the US and the UK, um, that there's been a, a notable increase in the last two to three months um, of kind of corporates. So I think that um, I don't, you know, obviously when people are kind of sat at home in their desks, there's, there's um, you know, very obvious kind of need and utility for our product, but actually um, we weren't designed with, with COVID in mind. So uh, for us, it, it doesn't really make a difference to, as a, as a product which engages and gets, you know, um, staff moving and and kind of boosting their physical and mental health. That kind of use case is still very much there. And look, this might be a really stupid question, but on the B two C side, I can see now looking at the app that you know you've got the space race and you've got the seven nations kind of uh, challenges that it looks like individuals can join with friends um, that would appear to be more aimed at the kind of the the users who are then in the app and are getting used to it. Uh, and there's certainly newer features than I saw a year ago, but. How do you reach the Joes? Because we all live in echo chambers and I run regularly. So I'm kind of on the lookout for fitness apps and I do have Strava membership and, and other bits and pieces, but I wouldn't necessarily imagine that the Joes would necessarily find a fitness app if that wasn't the spheres that they move in. So how, how do you go about capturing that audience? Yeah, it's a really good question. A number of ways. I mean, one of them you touched on, which is B2B. So what we find already is that you're a great example, Dave, because, you know, your, your workplace obviously used our app. And then, um, you, you know, you described yourself as a Joe, but actually you, you've you've then been introduced to our product via your workplace. And then at the end of that challenge, you have the ability as a consumer to continue using the app, you know, join one of our free challenges, you know, connect with friends, et cetera, et cetera. So it's that kind of B2B to B2C conversion that is uh, really unique to us. And actually that's one of the things that we, uh, that makes us quite unique. And if you look at other products uh, out there on the B2B side, most of them will boot you out at the end of your workplace activation or event, et cetera. We actually say, no, you can stay on it for free for life and, and use all of the consumer stuff, which we're continuing to roll out all the time. There's loads of other ways though. Um, you know, So one of the things that we're super excited about is our partnerships with really interesting brands. So um, Sunto, the uh, major um, wearable, uh, we've just been selected as one of 10 global apps to be uh, integrated into their uh, their watches, um, which is a, a, in relation to a new feature they're pushing out um, next month. Um, so again, it's taking it a step further so that you know when you're on a Sunday afternoon, Dave, and you're thinking about whether to exercise, the motivation from your social groups, whether that's friends, colleagues, or people you follow on social will not only reach you after the event when you're looking at your app, but actually you'll be getting notifications from your watch during that exercise to give you further reinforcement and feedback. So, and there's loads of other kind of channels as well, which we won't bore you with, but essentially you've hit the nail on the head. How do you reach these people that are looking for um, ways to stay motivated, to stay on their fitness journey? Because ultimately that is what we're all about is trying to solve that that problem. I think another key way is via um persons of interest so whether that is an influencer whether that's a celebrity whether that's a personal trainer or a community leader um there's loads of different ways that um, they can either host a challenge themselves or captain a team and engage with their audiences in a much more meaningful way than just putting out content um, and kind of mm -hmm. exercising virtually alongside um, those people is is a kind of key um, part of Gojo, which we've had great success with. Yeah, so you're alluding there to, you know, I, I, I imagine um, Alistair Brownlee was in, was involved in our challenge a year ago, 
kind of looked like he held back until about halfway through and then thought, right, everyone's had enough of a head start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I suppose it's that kind of a of a of an influencer, but working alongside an existing challenge that you're you're referring to there. Yeah, so that's massive on the B2B side and for your listeners, Dave. Yeah, I mean, uh, so Alistair Brownlee is on our team. He uh, famously captained, I believe it was Team Netherlands in your uh, in your global challenge and um, was in training for Tokyo at the time. Um, obviously, he didn't make it to Tokyo in the end, but was in training for Tokyo and his training kilometres were counted towards um, Team Netherlands and, and the challenge and, and the wider challenge. And he kind of, um, you know, popped up with various kind of content etc and that is it's yeah. it's it's a good example of how our consumer model has crept into and has had massive utility on the b2b side because that unique ability to integrate celebrities athletes sports people etc which we put under the umbrella term of persons of interest which sounds quite has criminal connotations um but uh, um so that sounds a bit odd but um uh yeah so that that is um uh, that's that's really unique for us and then the next stage of that is how we integrate um kind of nfts and and the blockchain side of things to um to really kind of innovate around that point and and uh we've got some some pretty interesting plans on that side as well which um which which are very much the focus of um the last couple of months in particular what what are your what are your future plans you've mentioned their partnerships but equally some of those kind of insight pieces of of real kind of experts in the field i remember I don't know whether she's still involved, but you had a you had a doctor PT or a doctor trainer involved. Um, I suppose someone who does you know who's who's an amateur enthusiast, but always looking for ways to not get injured. Kind of insights from people like that. That's really kind of valuable and interesting. Is that kind of the basis for perhaps something that's that's premium as opposed to freemium? Because I, I assume that you're you've got to look at you know that B two C audience and how you can to an extent monetize it whilst at the same time making sure that people feel that they're getting value for for money you know if you look at your competitors that's very much the model that there's freemium and premium and 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 those little like extra bits that keep people hooked and coming back to a platform yeah and definitely i mean i think for us it's all about value for the users so on the b2c side we don't yet charge consumers to use the app um at all um and we're kind of learning from the community as we kind of build it about how they get value from the app and the gym medic who you mentioned there, uh, Dr. Sarah Bailey. So she's um, a really interesting person to us because she is uh, a personal trainer as well as an NHS doctor, as well as the Worcester Warriors women's uh, team doctor. And she puts out amazing content on, on social and we approached her in respect of Gojo uh, at a really early stage and ran a challenge. It was one of the first kind of micro-influencer challenges that we did uh, where Sarah and a group of NHS medics uh, took on a team of uh, commandos from, um, from the military. And what we found that even at that early stage, their followers couldn't join the challenge at that point. But we had a lot of interest from people who were following the challenge and kind of watching how the medics were getting on against the commandos. Um, and they were kind of putting out great content through the challenge about you know, nutrition and not, you know, running tips and all the different components that um, the kind of areas in which they can add value from motivation to injury recovery to all these different things. Um, we found that people were kind of interested in that. And then obviously we took it to the next stage where um, we've run challenges with those people um, where you can compete and have friendly competition alongside them. But for us, it's all about that value that they add um, in a meaningful way. And, and we're really excited about how brands can engage as part of that as well. So rather than having an influencer kind of hold up a product and talk about that product, for us, Gojo is a really good channel that can bring together brands and bring together influencers and bring together the people that they follow in a meaningful way. Well, look, it's it's been fascinating to talk to the two of you and, and and find out a bit more about the plans and and what's been going on. If someone is interested, say they're a a head of talent or a head of HR and are thinking about it from a B two B point of view, or literally just a a runner who's who's wanting to find out a bit more, what's the best way to find out about the app? Probably to download it. Um, it's free to download. It will always be free to download. Uh, it's on iOS and Android, every country in the world. So it's go. Kind of type in Gojo Social Fitness. The website gojo.com as well has got a bit more information on on uh, what we do and the events that we run as well. But yeah, I would say just um, just give it a download and give it a whirl. 
Thanks for your time, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Cheers, Dave. David. Right. Gojo something that we've both used, funnily enough. Yes. Um, for the Harvey Nash World Games, which we did, was that like last year in the summer? Yeah, it's nearly a year ago. And oh. and and as um, Phil, I think, mentions, um, yes. the Netherlands had an unfair advantage in the form of a multiple gold-winning Olympian. Yes. It, yeah, they had really good memory of it. Maybe we we broke so much on their app or something. <laughs> they were like, we're never having them again. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, look, one thing that I know that both Phil and Will were keen for me to mention, mm-hmm. um, so I will do this before we before we get any further into our conversation and forget. Um, they're not going in on Strava here. They are big fans of Strava. Um, Strava and Gojo, definitely two apps that you can you can use at the same time. I do. It's just that obviously there are different people need different solutions, and you might need those different. You know, the same person might need different solutions at different times. Big fans of Strava. That's not the point. But if you're in that that kind of pool of people who are looking for you know a tool that gets you moving in the first place, Gojo Gojo is a really good really good option on that front i think yeah definitely i think it's more welcoming um i didn't realize that it was like oh poor strava oh get them where it hurts like <laughs> no definitely not I, I just think we we didn't want it at any point to come across as an attack on strava i, I am a okay. paid strava member but uh and i i definitely think i definitely think there is something that um you <sighs> If I look back at the World Games, right, which we did in lockdown and was uh, a way of trying to bring people across our company together, Mm -hmm. the fact that walking, running, swimming and cycling in in the way that the app measures those activities is all basically counted the same. So Mm -hmm. if you go for a walk Mm -hmm. for an hour, it's, it's kind of the same as running for... 20 30 minutes that's that's really helpful because that is inclusive like running is not the be all and end all for a lot of people a lot of people hate running and some people can't go for runs but most most people can go for a walk and it's really beneficial health wise and it can be a brilliant way of getting people to start moving and maybe they will start running if they start walking yeah definitely and i think with the harvey national world games as as it was during the pandemic it got a lot of people to meet up outside and you know, had that mm-hmm. benefit of that social things, places that it was legal, by the way. That's <laughs> no disclaimer. Um, but yeah, I think it's really cool. I think it's a really good idea. It definitely brought our company together. It was a nice bit of small talk to add whenever, you know, you're meeting people for the first time. You know, we had a lot of new starters and they came in and were like, oh, this is really cool. And they could be like, oh, I saw that you did X amount of miles or like, oh, I didn't realize you I, I, I will be totally, I will be totally transparent here. If I would log into the app in the morning, I would quite regularly see that Hannah had done like 15 kilometers in the evening and I'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake, I've got to go down too. But I feel like there needs to be a separate discussion about you being like, why don't you run in the morning? And I was like, yeah. Who runs in the morning? Who wakes up and goes, absolutely going to get outside, go for a run? But you do know that, like, here's a, here's a geeky bit of science. It's better for you. I don't believe it. Yeah, no, g- I genuinely. Think, I think if the science would support staying in bed and sleeping is better. Oh, sleep is important, but go to bed earlier, Hannah. Uh... Oh, too much to do. <laughs> No, um, apparently if you go for a run when you're fasting, so before you eat or drink anything other than water or black coffee, you um, kick your metabolism 30% higher for the rest of the day. Interesting. Yeah, there you go. Making you rethink your choices now, aren't I? It's still not going to get me out of bed earlier. (laughs) (laughs) I, I love the fact, though, that this is all about giving people the same experience that they had with their mates. Like, I think that that is such a nice message and reason to have behind you know if you can capture that kind of fun that you have with friends and distill it into a digital offering it's good it's going to have successful kind of it's it's gonna it's going to be set up for success you're going to have people who want it to succeed definitely i think the whole story i didn't realize this and i've met um will and phil and um it is will and phil isn't it yeah yeah or phil and will 
all feeling well. Um, I didn't realize they were like proper big dog lawyers, though. They're, mm. so, they're so like down to earth and friendly. I'm not saying that lawyers are not like that. I just, I just didn't expect it. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I didn't know that they had all of that backstory about their mates and trying to hire out stadiums. And that's such a good idea. I think, yeah. I think there is this thing just culturally that you can't do something unless you're really good at it. Like mm-hmm. I remember people being like, oh, well, I'm not so good at it, so I'm just going to give it up. And I think there's more of this movement or just this more of an understanding that you don't have to be good at something to do it. You can just, if you know, if you enjoy it, if it's good for you. If you, like, find, you know, that it helps you with stuff as well, you don't have to be very good at it. You can just go out and do it. I, th- I think the other thing that's great about it is is that, on your point, um, the, these two guys didn't have any technology experience and they needed a CTO and they talk about that. And yeah. and if you have an idea and you're not a technologist, if you're a big shot lawyer, uh, then <laughs> it doesn't preclude you from trying to bring together a, a digital platform and trying to connect people. And, and you know, it, it's the idea. It's 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 the purpose behind it. And if, if that is, and that has good intentions, then I think, I think that, you know, you can make it happen and there are, you know, you can find another founder who's the CTO who can help you, you know, who's the product guy or the product girl for that matter, um, who can kind of realize what what it is that you're trying to build and get it out there. And obviously the way that they've grown and, you know, it started, as they say, before the pandemic, but then the amount of organizations that took up on the idea during the pandemic and obviously a huge growth in B2C as well, um, they've really tapped into something. Yeah. And I think it's interesting to hear the business model you know that you got into a bit of a discussion about b2b b2c stuff and which i always find really interesting so it is interesting to see how they're catering and they said that it's all about value you know it's value for that Mm -hmm. user experience which i think with some of the apps that are out there they forget that sometimes and to make sure that it is you know you've got to have this like leverage to make sure that it's engaging and also then again provides value yeah you know to make it then lucrative for you know the b2b model i think that's really interesting in that sense an app that just logs activity without anything else Mm. is quite flawed like if we go back to strava it has it has the competitive element and it does have that invested athlete thing it's got kind of the the times the splits the data the the segments gojo has the collaborative element but then it's bringing a huge i, I think it you know that the the um dr sarah that they mentioned that kind of added content is of huge benefit because even in the even the invested athlete not the the regular joe is super interested in the kind of content that that person has that that, that person can say about actually these kind of stretches this kind of cool up this kind of warm down it's that kind of stuff that can actually really benefit you long term, if, even if you are quite serious about your running or, or, or your cycling. Yeah, definitely adding the resources. And I think they called them micro influencers, which I think is really cool. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's just that social aspect again. People mm. trust people. And, you know, it's hard to do that just through an app. Um, yeah. They've made it really personable. And they have brilliant communications. And I remember how funny like their emails were and yeah. updating throughout the challenge. But that personability <laughs> from some from like an expert or somebody that can provide advice and stuff, I think is, you know, is where the development's going to be. And that can only just grow stronger with the following. And look, as, as a pivot into our second interview, which is a returning guest, Michael Doughty, the CEO and founder of Hilo Athletics. In this interview, he talks about community being earned and how you have to be there for your community every day for the people who support you. And there he talks about you've got to make a product that's got, um, you know, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes resource. It's got to have purpose. And where we're talking about shoes and we're talking about products and this, this, Okay, I'll, I'll freely admit it takes a slight sidestep from technology, guys, but it also has huge um, um, insight for anyone who is building a tech business, who's building a startup, and who's thinking about sustainability. But he talks about how sportswear is kind of in a sleepy rhythm where it just makes sportswear. And if we're thinking about Gojo or Strava or any other kind of app for that matter in this kind of 
area. If it's just an app that's about uploading activity and being like, hey, look, I run a lot, that's not enough. That's not showing up for the people who support you. That's not going beyond just a sleepy rhythm. And I think they they said that at the beginning of it, saying, you know, that can segment instead of bring people together, making it so exclusive. It's the same with sportswear, I'm sure, where people feel like they they don't belong to that club or they don't feel like they do enough, um, which is kind of different from where Gojo's coming from. It's like bringing people together no matter, you know, where you're from or anything else it's all your activity levels it's kind of bringing everybody as a collective yeah well look we will we will pivot into that interview um as i said michael doughty he's a former professional footballer he's the founder of hilo they make um carbon negative corn based running trainers they are um an impact-led organization athletes for planet is their tagline so um have a listen to this it's super interesting but hannah enjoy your pancakes thanks so I'm, I'm joined by Michael Doughty from Hilo Athletics. How are you? I'm well, thanks, David. How are you doing? Yeah, good, good. Someone that we've had on the show before, so welcome back. I know, second time. I'm going to get it framed somewhere in the office, I think. Tech, tech talks. <laughs> I, I think it, with each passing month, the opportunity to have you on our show gets gets like more of a coup because the brand seems to be growing and, and kind of getting out there that that little bit more every time I, I go onto Instagram. Um, look, for anyone who's not familiar with Hilo Athletics, who are you? Um, so personally, from my background, I'm a former professional footballer and um, played football for 10 years here in the UK. Um, and then Hilo in itself is a, an impact-led sportswear brand. Um, we're a sort of community of athletes for planet looking to sort of make products and um, yeah, and, and make products in a different way and, and inspire change through sport. And the athletes for planet piece is really interesting because it's I suppose it's hitting on that that particular. I'm trying to think of the right word because you kind of you know it, it it feels like a moment but it's a far more than a moment because it has far more meaning than that you know we've just had horrendous storms here in the UK battering us and kind of those physical signs of perhaps climate change beginning to bite a little bit harder people are aware of the environmental impact of the products that they buy trainers which is specifically where you are focusing our energies are no different from that and the the footprint so to speak of a trainer the carbon footprint has typically been or traditionally being quite big right yeah no i think there's there's two aspects to it right the athlete for yeah since the beginning of time really has been sort of the the pinnacle of human achievement in many respects um from yeah from a spectator point of view and they have a huge platform to to drive sort of to drive change and to have an opinion um and then you've got sort of the products that those athletes wear which are invariably heavily dependent on petroleum heavily dependent on um yeah on non-renewable materials and we're at this sort of inflection point obviously in sort of both the sportswear industry but also kind of the wider industries of how do we how do we evolve things to ensure that we, we have a planet over sort of 50 60 yeah. 70 years look not to be um stereotypes are unkind but the the general kind of uh image of a footballer would not be one who is conscious of the choices that they make around foot footwear and the petroleum kind of involved in perhaps what the products on their feet is you know the, the cost rather to the planet that of the, of the products on their feet what what woke you up to that particular um line of thought whilst you were playing well, I think just to come to the first point, I actually think there are quite a lot of athletes that are quite now aware of, of sustainability and and impact. They might not be, you know, as far along the journey as I am, but there's certainly at the back end of my career, I saw like a, a shift within the dressing room culture of topics that we were talking about. So I think I think that is a, a bit of a sort of an older narrative that that is starting to change. And I think secondly, yep. um, from my own personal point of view, I, I've always felt super passionate about nature because I had the privilege of spending 10 years of my life outdoors for every day for a profession. Um, so you can't help but make that link between, hey, I get to step out on the training field every day and that's pretty awesome. Yeah. 
and I enjoy nature. And I think most people who are passionate about the environment, it comes from a very sort of primitive place, which is I just enjoy spending my time here, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So look, how do you, how are you trying to get the message out to, to customers? Because you're you're entering a a really busy marketplace, right? As I understand it, your your focus is on footwear predominantly for um casual and um kind of the, the not so casual runner. Kind of any anyone anyone who wants to get into running to someone who's a who's a fairly serious but short distance runner, these shoes are designed for kind of your your five to ten K run perhaps and correct me if that's wrong how do you reach that marketplace uh and and begin to kind of make an impact because it's incredibly busy with a lot of established players yeah i think first of all we are solving a problem the 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 carbon footprint and the amount of componentry and the materials used in footwear for me is is has to change and evolve considering the climate sort of emergency that we're in and i'm not saying hilo is the the absolute solution, but we are on a journey to improve that. Um, and yes, we have an inclusive product, um, but we are focused on performance. And I think, I think one of the main ways that that we have an advantage, or or or, or um, I guess can can have a place in that crowd market. That is, you're 100 right. Super competitive is the fact that we are a mission-led brand, and everything we do is with the the purpose of making sports went better and that is the primary goal of, of all of our sort of conversations um and i think there are a lot of athletes for planet out there who want to run like the world depends on it which is our sort of brand energy and who share that that vision that 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 they don't want to compromise on their run but they don't also want to compromise their principles and i think i think yeah, we are we are in I think a zeitgeist at the moment where climate issues mm. are becoming more and more front and centre, and that community aspect of being part of that innovation, of being part of that journey and that story is is something that that makes us different and that we are trying to to build from the ground up. And, and when you talk about building that community, I mean, how? You know, how how do you physically do it? Is it, you know, I, I mentioned at the beginning, I see you on Instagram a lot. Um, he's been injured, unfortunately, a lot this season, but Patrick Bamford is one of your your highest profile kind of advocates and has, and has celebrated goals with the high-low symbol. That, that's going to help, but that's quite a high-level kind of um, uh, kind of brand positioning piece. But how have you physically gone about putting this community together in a way that, that I suppose, sustains the business? Well, I think it's been... It's been a, a challenge, obviously, considering the climate of COVID and not being able to get out and about and physically be with people, because I think a huge part of community is, is just that relationship and that commonality that you share when you're in person with someone. And, and the digital, as much as it's you know made everyone's lives easier, you do lose that personal edge. But for us, like it's not just any one stream. There's our athletes that we work with. It's every time a, you know um, a customer comes in contact with us, we want to make them feel special and, and heard and their opinion is part of our, you know, is part of, um, yeah, the future of the brand. Um, we're working on events at the moment now that sort of COVID looks to be hopefully um, sort of at a tipping point in a positive way. Um, so getting out there and doing run clubs and being part of that running culture and that running community. Um, and yeah, I think it, it really is, community is like earned. It's not every, everyone talks about it in the world of startups. Oh, we've got a great community, or all oh, community is everything. But it is. It's like sat in a pub on your own and trying to make friends. Basically, how, you know, how, how do you how do you share a common theme with the person next to you in that digital pub? You know, and, and how do you how do you build that 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 credit? I call it credit. It's like you know, you don't relationships take 10, 20 years to build, right? You know we've got we have that mindset where it's just like you can't just turn up one day and then not turn up another day you have to be there every day for the people that support you and trying to find that commonality and 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 and, and find that thread that links you to them in their life and i think we are doing that but it, it just does it takes time and, and and it takes kind of a grassroots energy that you can't replicate 
So that grassroots energy is hopefully kind of carrying the business forward. And, and you've got a whole new range of trainers that have been released not too long ago. Um, and I think that you're expanding geographically. What, what's, what's next on the, on the agenda for you? Um, so we're really working on our product for this year. We've had 18 months in market now. And every time we place a new production order, we've, we've tried to make that product. And we have made that product you know, five, 10, 20% better than the last production order. Um, and that and that is sort of leading to this year of a real expansion in our product range where we've had a ton of feedback, a ton of iterations, a ton of learning it, and, and, and critically a ton of feedback from the people that are wearing our shoes. And this year really is about giving more options to our customers and, and building that product, um, I guess, pipeline and category for them to come and, be the athlete for planet from head to toe, essentially. Um, and I think that's important is when you're subscribing to a brand in the sportswear space, you know, shoes are one thing, but the whole energy is what you're signing up to, right? And, and, and we want to be able to provide that yeah, to our community, you know, as much as we can, at as many touch points as we can. And the last thing then, I mean, you, you mentioned not just footwear, but the whole energy. Part of that's clothing as well. Have you thought about expanding into clothing or is it partnership with a clothing brand? Do you kind of look at it and go, all right, we do corn runners, um, but there's this there's this clothing brand that has similar kind of energy to, to, to what we would to what we would uh, espouse and would, would help kind of tap into our grassroots movement. How you know, how do you see perhaps building a marketplace? Well I think I think we have to stay focused on footwear at the moment, which is yeah a massive challenge and 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 we are you know meeting that challenge head on and 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 i think succeeding each day inch by inch but we can't take our focus off of that but no i think in the future um apparel is something that we want to own and do ourselves um purely because our impact framework and our impact focus and impact is hilo's version of sustainability um just just i guess for your listeners um we we want to make sure that 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 we own as many of the controllables that we can because we have a quite clear, yeah, I guess framework around why we make things. And I think we it's just kind of the sportswear industry has got into this sort of, I don't know, uh, kind of sleepy rhythm where we just make things. And, mm. and, and the purpose of them and their impact is, is secondary and actually, to make a product takes energy, it takes resource, it takes time, and it has to it has to fit a purpose. It has to perform, and it has to, in our case, meet our environmental credentials. Um, so outsourcing that would completely dilute our ability to control those variables. So so eventually we will we will move into that category, and who knows, it might be might be sooner than you think. Well, look, it's been great to catch up with you, um, and I hope that the brand continues to go from strength to to strength. Thanks, David. 